Welcome to Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino. I am your host. Thanks for joining me today. Fides is Latin for truth, and that's our complete focus is the truth on this podcast. Uh, the music you're listening to is my friend Frank Camp. Uh, this song is called Heaven Can Wait. You can find it on Spotify. It's great stuff with lots of great music. Uh, but let's get into this episode of Fides Podcast. Thanks for listening, and let's get to it. Okay, welcome to another episode of Feed Ace Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino, and I am your host. Thank you for being here. You can reach me at uh, jerry at feedacepodcast.com. Uh, find me on uh, all the various social media. Just look me up by name, and you'll find me. I am there. Uh, my guest today is a young woman by the name of Annie Fitzgerald. Uh, Annie, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So, Annie, you have a really really awesome life story. So um, I, I, you're online, you have a lot of great stuff and I'll, I'll give you the opportunity at the end to tell everybody where they can find you and watch some great videos. Uh, but you were adopted uh, from Russia. Your birth parents were from Russia, correct? Yes. And you were, you were adopted in here in the United States at how old? Um, I was six months old. Yeah. Six months old. Okay. So tell that story about your parents and the decision that they had to make and and, and glad, we're all glad she made it, right? Yeah, so um, my story kind of starts before I was um, even born. Um, so um, like Jerry said, I was adopted from Russia when I was six months old, um, but before that I was supposed to be an abortion. Um, and um, I was conceived out of wedlock, so my biological parents were 17. So they were in high school at the time, they were very young, um, and so obviously you can kind of imagine maybe those fears that they would have had, you know, if you're a younger um, listener. But um, when my biological father found out, he wanted an abortion. And he even told my birth mom if she didn't have an abortion, he was going to leave her. So that obviously put her in some really difficult circumstances. Um, I know she wasn't financially stable. I don't know for sure, but I in my heart, I really don't believe she had much support from anyone. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of would have been the perfect abortion. She would have been the perfect target for Planned Parenthood um, had she been in the States. And so um, despite all of those circumstances, all of the fears that she probably had, um, she said yes to beauty and she said yes to life. Um, and she placed me for adoption so that I would have an even better life. Um, and then my parents adopted me from Russia when I was six months old and the rest is kind of history. So, um, tell me, how, how do you know, how do you know about your birth parents? Like, how did you find out? Yeah. So, um, growing up, I was kind of very curious about it. Um, my parents never wanted me to have my, um, birth certificate or information until I was 18. Um, obviously because of my story, um, I was so young, I probably wouldn't have understood it, number one, or been able to handle it. Um, but when I was 15, I decided to sneak in my papers um, and I realized that there wasn't, some information was left out from what I could see. Um, I had the description, I had part of my story, but not everything. And so once I was a little bit older, um, I got the entire truth and that's kind of how I found out. And then I had to go on, um, kind of a healing journey um, due to all of that. Um, and so it took me a couple of years to come to terms with what had happened. But once I did, I was really able to um, just embrace it and then share it to inspire others. That's great. And, and did you, because um, I just find it curious, uh, 
did you have suspicions about being adopted or did you know you were adopted, but just didn't know the circumstances? Yeah. Growing up, I always knew I was adopted. Um, my parents did a great job with that. I always had um, elements of Russian culture in my life. Um, they taught me like Russian words here and there as I was younger. And I always knew my mom, um, my birth mom was a lot younger. I just didn't know the details. Gotcha. Okay. Have you had any contact with them since? No. Um, when I was adopted, they didn't know where she was. Um, so it being a closed adoption and international, um, it would be really hard to find her. So yeah. I've never met her or anything. Okay. Um, so, so your, you know, your, your journey is one that is somewhat recent. Um, you know, you, you talked about attending your first, uh, uh, March for life at age 15 and you're what, 19, is that correct? You're you're 19. So very recently, uh, tell me about that experience and the people you were around and, and that helped you, uh, in that journey. Yeah. So my first March for life, um, I had known about abortion in the movement for about a year. Um, I went with my high school. um, And so I was kind of just convicted. I didn't really know about my story yet. I didn't know the details, but I knew I was against abortion. I knew I wanted to do something about it. So I went on the march to see what it was like. um, And I thought it was so cool to see all of the young people, all of the different um, perspectives, religions, views all together for this one cause. Um, And it really made me just even more passionate about it. And then coming home um, and finding out more about my own story and um, other people's stories as well. All the testimonies from the march um, got me even more involved and more passionate about the movement. Um, And that's kind of what started everything. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you do talk about in the one interview that you have posted on your, on your site that you did, you talk about um, the, in the beginning being uncomfortable with, with say friends or acquaintances who were, who were pro-abortion and, you know, the struggle to speak out. And then eventually you did tell me about how that went and, and how does that go when you're talking to the pro-abortion side? I know I've talked to a number of people from you. You're a part of the group, uh, students for life, correct? And I've, I've had a couple of, uh, students for life, student for life members on the, on the program as well. And they talk about in in cases how they're harassed. And certainly we see some of the horrible behavior by pro-abortionists and the like, Um, you know, how has that gone for you? Because I feel like in a way you can come back and say, Hey, look, I was supposed to be aborted and here I am, you know, that that's a strong argument. Yeah. Um, It kind of started out in high school. Um, I really got into apologetics um, and my friend group, they were all pro-choice, very liberal people, um, very kind of against the Catholic church. I'm Catholic. So they were kind of against all of that. Um, And so I would be at the lunch table and I would kind of pick their brains. They didn't know I was pro-life, but I would always kind of give a pro-life answer or um, remark or question. And I I challenged their views a lot. Um, And once I got comfortable with apologetics and I got comfortable with my own stance, Um, And just knowing enough about the movement, I was really able to start speaking out. And then it was really my story that um, I was able to just embrace it and love it. Um, But it took a really long time. So it was kind of pretending to not be pro-life and then being like, I'm pro-life, but not saying anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just went through different um, phases. But yeah. Was it a, it, at a Catholic school that you had these conversations? I was at a Catholic school. Interesting, right? Isn't that, that's, I'm Catholic as well. And I mean, Catholic, Christian, any, any, really any religion. I mean, it's really sad when you see 
a religious school or organization and you have, um, you know, they're, they're not obviously not being taught properly at the school or by their parents. Um, I wanted to get your take on a few things and, and I've heard your response to some of these and that is, uh, you know, some of the toughest, you know, every pro-abortion uh, you know, debate or, or argument, they always get to the rarest of rare and the worst of worst situations and yours was certainly that way. I had mentioned um, um, Rebecca Kiesling, who's been on my program, who was conceived in rape, and she's a phenomenal you know, mother, uh, wife, lawyer, and so on. Um, what do you say when those friends of yours or people you're talking to say, well, what about the case of rape? Yeah, I always first say, let's, let's take a second to acknowledge the rape. Obviously, it's a horrific thing that women have gone through. Um, and when you have a pregnancy on top of that, it can make it almost seem a million times worse. You know, it might feel like the woman's world is just shattering. Um, and so I always say the pro-life movement believes that the woman in an abortion is a second victim. So you first have your violence of rape and abortion is just another violence against, um, against the woman. Because having an abortion isn't going to undo the rape. It's not going to change anything. Um, it's only going to hurt the woman much more. And we know um, any abortion is going to have um, harmful effects psychologically and physically. And so adding that onto a woman who's already been raped, who already has difficult psychological problems and issues from the rape is only going to make things so much worse. And women who have been raped and have chosen life oftentimes say that having their child and choosing to parent or choosing to place for adoption has helped them in that healing process. Um, and I don't think I've ever heard a woman um, who chose life after rape say they regret choosing to have their baby. Yeah, and it, it, it's a really great way of, of, of making your argument is starting off acknowledging the horror or the horrific aspect of rape and, and what a woman must go through really her whole life um, who's been who's been raped. Um, and, and it was, it's interesting on, on, I had mentioned Rebecca Kiesling who was conceived in rape and, um, she, she has an argument that she says, you know, to many of the people arguing against her, she'll, who are typically on the left and they're, um, they're typically against the death penalty. And she'll say, well, do you believe in the death penalty for the rapist? They'll say, no, 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 no. Well, but you're okay with the death penalty for the rapist child. And, um, I had never thought of that either. And I hadn't thought of your way of talking about how it, um, it hurts the, the, the woman worse. Um, and another area that we get a lot, you get a lot of from people on the pro-abortion side is uh, talking about people who uh, can't afford a child are young. Um, they're not going to be able to be able to take care of them, that kind of thing. And certainly it sounds like at least, at least your birth mother was young it seemed like it was a tough situation if your birth father was, was, you know, telling, telling her to get an abortion um, or he's leaving her and so on. What, what do you say to that? The, I don't have enough money. I'm young. I want to have a career, whatever the case. Yeah. A lot of times those situations are basically what they're saying is that their value is based on their condition in life, how they're going to, live, you know, are they going to end up in the foster care system? Are they going to end up being abused? Are they going to be poor? And what are they saying? They're saying, well, number one, to anyone who's been through that, your life isn't valuable, number one, but number two, they're just 
basing it off the condition of life rather than the value of the human person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you kind of have to look at those arguments and kind of break them down and basically say, well, why is this person being aborted when this person has been through this, overcome it, conquer it? What does this young, unborn, innocent child who didn't ask to be born, why can't that person do the same exact thing? Why can't they have a good life as well? Mm -hmm. Uh, Why are we just assuming what their life is going to be, you know, and, and just choosing that they should, they're, they're saying they're better off killed than going through something difficult, which we all know, I know from my personal experience can actually be turned into something beautiful mm-hmm. um, and something inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think if most people look back at, uh, you know, my parents weren't exactly doing well when, when I was born, right. They didn't have a lot and things like that. And most people throughout history were in that case, uh, when children were born, uh, things were not always looking very, very positive. So, um, so I was looking at your website today and you had actually have an essay, um, that you wrote that came out, looks like today, yeah. um, mm-hmm. called who was Jane Roe in Roe versus Wade. Uh, can you give us a quick preview of that? Uh, Yeah, so I actually wrote that for a class. Um, I was really interested in the story of Norma McCorvey. Um, We all know her as Jane Roe. She was kind of the reason we have abortion legalized. Um, She got pregnant in 1970 with her third child out of wedlock. Her first child um, was in custody of her parents due to her reckless behavior. Um, Her second child was placed for adoption and she she now wanted an abortion. And basically, um, Jane Rowe or Norma McCorvey came out later and explained her story um, and of, of rape and of abuse and kind of said that it was a lie. She made it up um, and the lawyers who were with her took advantage of her. And so um, I really wanted to look into that story and really understand what was the um, basis and the foundation of Roe v. Wade. And I really realized that her story was one of the first of many lies within the case um, and that it really did, the case does not have legal standing constitutionally. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's a lot, there's so much that's unknown out there about that case, about uh, Jane Roe in all that you just, that you just said. And so uh, I'd encourage everyone to read the article and certainly do um, research on that. If you're somebody who's on the fence about this issue, you know, it is it is relevant to no facts, no truth. Uh, certainly, there the plenty of lies uh, told today and in the past from Planned Parenthood and the like. I've had others on my show who've talked about being lied to by Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. um, and how you know how they're the workers there are coached um, to lie and not tell information and so on and so forth. So. You know, any, any, you know, all, what I, one thing I can say is that any issue that I believe in, I don't need to lie in order to convince people, right? You don't need to lie in order to convince people of your way, right? Uh, Annie, this has been awesome. You, your story is really, really great. And I have had um, all sorts of people on my program and I've had a lot of young people such as yourself, uh, many involved in um, Students for Life. And I, I tell them all, I think I'm looking at our future leaders. Uh, it's awesome to see how, you know, while young, you guys are full of confidence and, and vigor and, and stuff. And 
I wasn't even close to that when I was your age. I can tell you that much. So, um, Annie, how can people find you? I think they really will want to look for you. How could they find yeah. you? Um, first, my Instagram is Annie.Fitzgerald with an extra D at the end. Um, and then my blog link is in my Instagram, but it's also at no such things um, as unplanned.com as well. Um, you can find me there. Um, and I have um, adoptee content, um, adoptee adoption, pro-life. Um, I talk about everything from Roe v. Wade to birth control on there. Um, and I really like to show the adoptee perspective of, yes, adoption might be difficult, but it's also so beautiful. Um, I always say abortion will always bring death and it will bring many wounds, but adoption will always give hope and give life. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of my central message. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, um, please follow me. I would love to connect with um, anyone who's interested. Absolutely. And I, and I encourage everybody to do that. I think all of us like minds, especially in this time, we need to be uh, sort of grouped together as much as possible and uh, stay strong in this uh, lifetime of fighting, figuratively fighting, right? Of course. Um, and this is an issue that will not go away, even if and when abortion becomes illegal, the fight will not end. <laughs> we, we yeah, it's not like we'll ever say, Oh, we don't need Annie's anymore. No, you know, no, we're going to, we're probably gonna have to fight harder. So Annie, thanks so much again, no such thing as unplanned.com find Annie uh, Fitzgerald uh, with two D's at the end on Instagram. And you can look her up on Facebook, right? Are you on Facebook? I am on Facebook. Yeah. Yep. Um, Yep. Check it all out. She's got some great videos, some great essays uh, on her website. I've read some and, and have a few more to go through. Um, so please do so. Annie, thanks again for being on. I appreciate it. hope to have you another time. Great. Um, well, thanks everybody for, for uh, listening and watching this episode of Feed Ace podcast. Please um, uh, like and subscribe and uh, share with your friends. We'd love to have you. And if you ever have a uh, either want to be or know of a good person to come on the program, please always let me know. I'm always looking for great people. Thanks for listening. You're making this podcast excellent. Uh, appreciate you and see you next time.